say this. One, true love happens outside of Christian uh, a relationship with Christ. Why? Because we've been created in the image of God who is love. So the remnant is there. But I do not believe the kind of love that John is talking about, which is God's love, the extent, the perfection of, the purity of love in which is shown to us in Jesus Christ is possible outside of knowing God. Outside of fellowship with God. That is, within the context of this whole letter, that's what John is saying. You can't know love perfectly or even express it without knowing God. Yes, you can love. Yes, you can love. And that is uh, little snippets, pieces of your image bear, bearingness as, a, as, as, as created in the image of God. But you cannot fully love in the way that Christ loved us. But once you know God, it is possible to love in this way. Now look in verse 9. John says this, In this the love of God was made manifest to us, among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Here's what John is saying. When we love in the same love that we've received... The love of God is perfected in us. The world actually sees the invisible God through us and the way we love. That is wild, but it's true. If the world says, how can I believe in a God I have not seen? We should tell them to look at his children, the church. And that scares me to death. John says, this is how they'll know that God is love. By the way we love one another. That scares me to death. But also look at this. This is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin, which means to be the sacrifice for our sin. Here's what he's saying. God loved us before we ever responded to him, before we ever did anything to deserve love. That's what true love is. Jesus is self-sacrificing. He shows us unconditional love. He expects nothing in return. That is the purest form of love. Now, here's what's interesting. If we want to perfect that love, the way we do it is not only to love God back, because that's actually a responsive kind of love. The way that we perfect love and multiply the kind of love that God has shown us is by loving one another. Let me, tr let me try to make sure this makes sense. If God has already loved us and we simply respond by loving him, that's just part of the equation. The other part of the equation is that we must go and love as he's loved us, which means what? Before anybody loves us, we love them. Expecting nothing. Hoping nothing. We love them just as Christ has loved us. And then you see what's happening. Love is becoming perfected or completed in that it's now operating the way it should. It's multiplying itself because everybody can love somebody 
before they're actually loved. Does that make sense? So it's not enough just to love God back, although that's incredibly important. We must also love one another the way that Christ has loved us, unconditionally, self-sacrificing. First, not from the leftovers. And when we do this, we participate, literally, we participate in the divine life. We are no uh, more like God, like Jesus Christ, than when we love one another in this way. So, I don't want to confuse us, because I believe the church has confused us in the past. So we must ask this question. Well then, is this all that there is? If I just love my brothers and sisters in Christ well, then I've perfected the love of God. We have to remember, we have to read this in the context of the whole letter. Four times he uses those words that love is perfected. And here's the four things that he says. One of them is to love one another, but the other three are... But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. That's obedience. Obedience perfects love. The second, and we'll see this in chapter 4, says that we must believe and confess that Jesus is the Son of God. By this, the love of God is perfected in us. Chapter 4, 15 to 17. And three, jump down with me to... Chapter 4, verse 20, it says this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. What is he saying? He's saying, obviously, love for God is incredibly important. Actually, the pinnacle of importance, because if you don't love God, then why would you love his children? So we must love God to have love perfected in us, but it doesn't end there. It it plays itself out in all of these facets. So God is love. Love personified is self-sacrifice that we see in Jesus Christ. Sacrifice is essentially giving of yourself, of your resources, of who you are, giving. So God is love because God is the great giver. And he has given so much. Love is giving. So if you were on our email chain, I sent out an email today. There's this commercial that's been really bothering me. It's on my ESPN, uh, watch ESPN app. So the commercials repeat themselves over and over again. It's Adidas commercial. And at first, it's kind of cool because it seems like it's true. You know, you're like, yeah. And it basically says this. Uh, What does it say? (laughs) Um, Good things come to those who take. That's the big message of the commercial. Good things come to those who take. And it's all about athletes who take uh, victory and whatnot. And the more and more I watched it, I'm like, "This this is not true. John would say this is not true. Taking is not what we're created to do. Giving is what we were created to do. Why? Because God is the great giver, and God is love. Love is not about taking. I don't take love. I give 
love. You see how different that is? But the message of the world, the message that we hear over and over again is take love. Find it and take it. Grab hold of it. Don't let go. Take it. Take it. Jesus would say, the Bible would say, John would say, no, you give. Love is about giving. It's not about taking. So how is God the giver? Well, God gives everything. He gives original life. He gives the heavens, the earth, the plants, the animals, the very breath of life we have in us. He gives us original life. Then he gives us sustaining life. The rain, light, food. Day in, day out. He gives us time. He's patient with us. He gives us day after day on this earth. He gives us his, excuse me, he gives us his son, Jesus Christ. He gives him. Again and again, we hear that. God gave his son. And what does Jesus give? He gives his life. Now these are all in what I would call the category of common grace. That no matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian, God has given you these things whether you recognize it or not. All of them are given to you. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, he gives you even more. We call this special grace. He gives you the free gift of justification and forgiveness when you accept Christ as Lord and Savior. He gives you the right to become a child of God. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you regenerated life in the Spirit. He gives you power through the Spirit. And John would say this, he gives light, love, and truth. And eventually he'll give eternal life to all those who call on his name. God is the great giver. And now the natural tendency for us is to take. We take, take all those things that he gives. But actually, what the proper and right response to all the giving that God does is, is what? Is to give right back. We call this worship. We give back to God. And what's interesting is we don't give him the same thing that he gave to us. We give him something different, something that we're uniquely created to give, something he designed us to give, something he desires for us to give. Here's what the essence of human giving to God looks like. We give God our thanks. We give God our praise. We give God our allegiance. We give God our obedience. We give God our reverence. We give God our devotion. We give God our name. We give God our trust. We give God our minds. We give him our hearts. We give God our attention. Do you give God your attention? We give God our grief. We give him our fear. We give him our success. We give him our questions, our doubts. We give him our significance as human beings. That's our right and proper worship. We give all of that back to God when we realize what he's given to us. But that's not the end of it. That's not the end of our role as givers. We then look to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and we give to them. And here's where we actually give in the way God has given to us. Because when we see brothers and sisters in need, we give them the necessity of life, what they need for sustenance. We give it to them. That's 1 John 3.17. We give them our time. We give them forgiveness. And John would say, we even give up our life for them if the situation requires it. Would you be willing to do that for your brothers and sisters? But in this way, and if we give with no strings attached, in this way we're actually functioning in our role as image bearers of God. God who? God who is love. 
we become agents of love and the world sees us and recognizes that there's something different about that love and here's the crazy part what did John tell us in chapter 3 he says this in verse 13 do not be surprised brothers and sisters that the world hates you you mean I love in this way and they hate me absolutely maybe not all the time a lot of the time they'll hate you because you have exposed the falsity of their kind of love. The love that says take and that's not true love. Love means to give and they hate you for it because they know you're right. They know that there's something truer in the way you love, that we love one another because they've seen it and they know that there's something different. So, three quick truths to finish here. Jesus says this. He gives us a new commandment, John 13. I give to you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I just explained that. So we live in this world that says, take, take, take. Christ says, give, give, give just as I have given. This song by Mumford and Sons that I told you about called Only Love, there's a line in it that says this. Didn't they say that only love will win in the end? It's kind of a cool song. You should listen to it. Didn't they say that only love will win in the end? I want to say yes and I want to say no. Yes, love will win in the end. But the kind of love you're talking about, a love detached from the giver of love, the source of love, the origin of love, that kind of love does not win. God is love, therefore God wins in the end. So, you can love love, and you can attach yourself to love, and you can say love saves, and I believe in love, and all we need is love, and love this and love that, but the problem is, The only kind of love that wins is the love that's attached to the source, which is God's love. So ask yourself this, what do you believe? Do you believe in love or do you believe in the God of love? Do you believe love saves or do you believe Christ's love saves? Do you love love or do you love God and God's children? Didn't they say that love would win in the end? So, I hope you're asking yourself the question, do I truly love God, and do I truly love God's children? And I think a good way to figure this out, we have to ask ourselves a tough question. How do I figure out what I truly love? And I've figured it out over the last couple weeks as I've had a son. And here's what I've figured out. That which I will uh, spare no expense for is a pretty good indicator of what I love. I will go to the store and buy that kid whatever he needs. I won't even look at a price tag. I'll just buy it. And if you know me, that is very rare because I am cheap. Good with money. Um, What will you spare no expense for? It's not a question of mere economics. Our wallets are just one of the ways common to help us understand what we're willing to sacrifice for. 
I'm willing to sacrifice for Grayson because I love him so much. There's nothing too costly that I wouldn't do for him. And he's only been around for two weeks. What do you love more than anything? It's what you will spare nothing for. What do you spare nothing for? Do you spare nothing for the mission of God? Do you spare nothing for the people of God? Those are hard, hard questions. To what will you spare no expense? Here's the good news. Even if we answer that question and on the top of our list is not God and God's children, there's something else up there, here's the deal. God knows that that's our natural state. And if we looked at the story of Cain and Abel, God comes into the scene after, after uh, Cain gets very angry and God asks him this question. He says, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? Basically, he's saying, why are you scowling so? Now, God knows exactly why he's scowling. Why does he ask the question? Because he's opening the door. The door for what? The door for repentance. For awareness and repentance. He's saying, recognize that you've loved yourself more than me, Cain. I'm not condemning you. I'm opening the door. I'm eliciting admission and repentance. I'm eliciting it from you because I want you to repent. I want you to turn from me and ask for forgiveness and say, I've put something, I've loved something more than you, God. God wants this from us. So no matter where we're at, if we've loved something else more than God or more than our brothers and sisters in Christ, just admit it and turn. That's what repentance means, turn. Turn to God. Oh, that we would, that we would be people who recognize that our natural tendency is to take and we would turn from that by the power of God living in our lives and we would become givers. Givers, not takers. Lovers, not haters. Self-sacrificers, not begrudging minimalists. Oh God, that we would be like you, the God of love, the Son who is love incarnate, the Holy Spirit who is the power to love, that we would be like you that we would be lovers, givers. If you lack motivation, friends, turn to the cross and remember what Christ has done for you. If you lack the know-how, how do I love? Just start by giving something first in your life. Give something first in your life. If you lack the energy to actually love well, ask the Spirit to empower you. He empowers us to love as we were intended. And if you lack the recognition of a need, I guarantee you, if you turn to your left or your right right now and you ask somebody, what can I give? To what need do you need someone to give? I guarantee you somebody has something for you. There is no shortage of need. The shortage is givers. This is love, John says. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. Let's pray. Father, we admit, we turn to you, we ask for your forgiveness. We don't do this well, we don't love well, we think we love well. 
But when our love is exposed by your light, by your truth, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we realize is that our love falls so short. So short of true, pure love, which is from you, God. Which you've shown to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Which you show to us each and every week when we come to worship you. The sacrifice that love is. The gift that love is. That it's not looking to ourselves first, but it's looking to others. Lord, we would pray again and again that you would change our hearts, that you would help us to see that we have so much to learn when it comes to love, that we have so much to learn when it comes to being created in your image, God who is love. We pray this because you've loved us so and given us your son, Jesus. Amen. So we come to the table every week and we remember the cross. We remember the great gift, the ultimate gift that God has given to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus did this before he gave himself up on the cross. The night before he was betrayed, he gave uh, the bread and the wine to his disciples and he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup. He said, this cup is the covenant in my blood. My blood poured out for you, given to you, spilled on your behalf. Drink this in remembrance of me. So every week we come in remembrance of what Christ has done, what he's given to us, and we come and we take the bread and we rip off a piece and we dip it in the cup, the blood of Christ, and we eat recognizing that God has given us this gift, not because we've loved him, but because he loved us first and gave before we ever had a chance to give anything to him. He gave us this. So if you're trusting in Jesus in the way that I've described, if you're you're putting your faith in him for the forgiveness of sin as your sacrifice, as the great gift of, uh, of propitiation for your sin, even if you don't know what that word means, This table's for you. If you're still considering, if you're not sure, if you're putting your trust in Jesus, I'd just say wait until this can be an act of faith, an act of worship, an act of giving yourself back to God in praise. And then after everyone has come and partaken, there's tables on the side, tables up front, there's gluten-free. After we've done that, we're gonna pass an offering. We pass an offering not out of obligation, not out of tipping the pastor, not out of, oh shoot, I've got a few extra bucks in my pocket from the week, We give an offering because we recognize what God has given to us and we give it back as worship. We give back to him as worship. That's why we do it and we do it after we hear the gospel and we come to the table because it's in response to what God's done. That's how we, one of the ways we love him back. So if you've got a welcome card or a prayer card, that's another way to give back to God. Put that in the offering as it comes by. Uh, The other thing I'll say is there will be uh, one or two of us up here in the front Uh, in the last song if you need somebody to pray with you come be prayed for ask for prayer we need one another we need to love one another so when you're ready come have fellowship with Jesus